Welcome to another edition of An Architecture Journey. I'm your host, Philip J. Merrill, and today we're talking to Reverend Dr. Mel Lehman. Welcome to the podcast, Mel. Thank you. It's good to be here. Do you have any idea what we're going to talk about today? Nothing other than the album that you are holding in your hand, Malcolm like, X Speaks. I would like for you to hold in your hands and tell me the connection. As a university professor the last couple of years that I taught at Lincoln University, I was able to find out that James 67X who was Malcolm's closest aide and secretary as such during the last year of Malcolm's life, had been a Lincoln graduate, 1958, and he would have been 81 years old at the time. I found out that he may still be living. He changed his name to Abdullah Abdul Razak. So I called some colleges up in New York where I had seen that he had done some interviews about five years previous. They said, well, we don't know if he's still living or not, but he would be in Brooklyn. So I wrote a Razak family in Brooklyn, and about a week and a half later, James 67X, or Abdullah Abdul Razak, calls me. Out of the blue, you get this phone call. Yes, I was in my office, and I get this call, and pure excitement. How did you handle that? I mean, that's really exciting. Well, the first thing I handled was my pen and pad <laughs> and turned on speakerphone and just left him talk. And uh, he loved to talk and he loved to talk about his experiences with Malcolm X. We developed a relationship which was, I don't know if he would call it a friendship or not, but we would talk for 45 minutes at a time on the phone. So I would, would you say you bonded with him? Good word. Good word? Yeah, good that word. You yes. bonded with him. We bonded and we would talk over the phone. I would call him. He never answered the phone because he's still a little bit suspicious. After all these years? After all these years, Malcolm, according to him, was not killed. He was assassinated. And he still has this sense of people might be curious about who I am and that sort of thing. Can you slowly enunciate his name because I'm having a hard time getting the correct... That's fair enough, sure. Thank you. Abdullah Abdur Razak. Okay, and when he was matriculating at Lincoln University in Oxford, Pennsylvania in the class of 1958, his name was... James Monroe Warden, as I recall. James Monroe Warden, but then yes. he, his other alias becomes... James 67X, because when you joined the Nation of Islam at that point, they had the wisdom, Elijah Muhammad had the wisdom, of <laughs> saying, we protest our last name because many persons' last names people of color, are actually the names that their slave masters gave them. Correct, correct. Because when Reconstruction happened and they registered and so forth, they would say, well, what's your name? And <laughs> they'd say, well, my name's John. Well, John who or Johnny who? And they'd right. say, well, I don't know. They never called me anything. Who is your master? Well, Johnson. So it was a real, I think, a very sly and powerful way of rejecting something that had been laid on them by white supremacy. Years I, I, I agree, ago. I agree. Now, did he have a problem that you were a Caucasian? No. We talked about that early on. We did. Because we knew that that was integral to integrity. I went up to interview him in Harlem on one of the occasions. Well, you went to Harlem on more than one occasion? Yes, a couple occasions to interview him as well as bringing him back to Lincoln. You brought him back to his old stomping ground. Yes. We were teasing each other on the phone one time. And he said, you know, I'm getting pretty old and I'm 81 years old. And I said, well, you know, would you like to come back to your alma mater? He said, yeah, I think before I slip on that proverbial banana peel, I would like to come back. So, yes, uh, we had him back for three days, and I scheduled interviews with newspapers as well as classroom experiences as well as evening things at Lincoln. Who was the president and, at the time at Lincoln? Uh, Ivory Nelson. Did you have a little sit-down with the president? I don't remember a particular sit-down with him. We did with other staff members as such. Eric Webb, we sat down with him. That was an interesting interview, mainly because as I watched, I didn't do much talking at that time, but that was one of the things that my students noticed 
when he came that we had the kind of ability to just tell each other how we felt. When Eric asked him about how he felt about Christianity, <laughs> I'm sitting across from him and he looks at me and he says, you Christians you had Christian. hundreds of years <laughs> to get it right, you know. And what did you do with your scriptures? Instead, you used it to tell us how wrong and evil and bad we were. And you expect me to somehow like your religion. And he would look at me, and all I could do was be there. Right. And realize that is a piece of who we are. And You had to accept that. Yes, sure. Absolutely. Well, he had told me, he said... Malcolm once told me, we walked the streets, and he would tell me these stories, but this was Wait, in, a particular, the streets of in, in Harlem. Harlem. In Harlem. Okay, I want to get it straight. Where are we talking about? Yes, now? yes. But he told me at one point, he said, you know, Malcolm said, until a black man can look in a white man's face and say what needs to be said and not have any fears about anything coming back negatively, until a white man can look in a black man's eyes and have the same experience, racism will never be solved. And Somehow or another, Abdullah Abdul Razak, James 67X, and I silently made a covenant to have that integrity. And so it didn't matter that he looked at me like that, because he also said to me at one time, he said, I will trust anybody who is trustworthy, who is going to be honest, and it doesn't matter about the color of your skin. So I knew, although he was a, sort of a, a ruffian individual, he was honest and he wasn't going to pull any punches. In fact, he, I remember him talking about when Malcolm had been asked to leave as such that the Nation of Islam, and Malcolm asked James 67 to stay with him. And one of the things that James 67X said was, I will stay with you as long as you never lie to me. And he said, you know, there's only two men that I've ever known that I completely trust. One is Malcolm X, and the other is a Jewish rabbi that he knew. Those were the two persons. And the more I read Malcolm X, the more I listened to his speeches. He could be brazen, but he was honest. And he had so much truth that needed to be heard. But sadly, the press very quickly vilified him. Yes. And uh, so therefore, he was only someone to be put aside and looked at as a true rebel and a dangerous person. Right, and, uh, right, right. And so, so look at this for a minute. This man is trusting you, Mel hmm. Lehman, professor at Lincoln, his alma mater. Who would have ever thought in the wildest dreams that a white professor at a historic black college and university gets a chance to bond mm -hmm. with real look each other in the face and say whatever and come up with this yeah. magnificent relationship in the golden years of this powerful man's life. Yeah. Your life will never be the same because of that experience. Absolutely it? not. It was never in my dreams, that's for sure. And yeah. what part of the campus was he in? Was he in Mary Dodd Brown Chapel? Where did you meet with him? I mean, when you were on the campus with him. Oh, the fun part was the first day I had gotten some of the people from the communications to put him in one of those golf carts and yeah, oh, take film, like the fil rides film him okay, sure. as we went around and saw the school because nice. he hadn't been there for so many years. And was he walking with a cane? I mean, was he... No, no. But you just wanted him to be in the golf cart because right. it was easy to transport him sure. through the campus. Right. Actually, I took him to many different classrooms where he spoke. Well, we, we met in the lunchroom and that sort of thing. So wherever offices, wherever people wanted to speak with him. Did he go to the Hosanna Church that's at the edge of the campus? No, he did he not. He did not? No. So let me get this straight. He actually graduates in the class of 58? 1958, yes. So that means that he came there hopefully in 1954? 
I would suspect, yes. Which would be the tail end of Horace Mann Bond's presidency? I Yes, it would have been. Did I, he I mention Zoko. his relationship with um, President Bond at all? No, he did Robert not. Did not? No. What drove you to want to do this project? Were you reading something? Did did someone put something in your ear? Or did God put it on your heart? What led mm-hmm. Professor Reverend Dr. Mel Lehman <laughs> to want to delve deeper into one of Malcolm X's closest allies? Well, it was, I guess, per chance initially, because I had been asked to combine one of the other professor's classes on Martin Luther King uh, with my religious ethics class because he got a sudden possibility to go on sabbatical. Okay, okay. So students were signed up for the spring class in his, and he said, can you somehow expand your religious ethics class to include my Martin Luther King class, which wasn't hard in that sense because Martin Luther King was already one of the uh, persons in the religious ethics realm that I would do. Okay. But I switched, I dropped some others like uh, Joseph Heschel of Judaism and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh of Buddhism. And I said, well, I'm just going to concentrate on Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi. And then I thought, I've never done Malcolm X. So I just started reading everything and, and listening to his speeches. And on one occasion, I think it was Marble Man. I was going to ask you if his book had already come out at the book, time when yes. you start this project. Right. And I think it was somewhere in there that mentioned James 67X and James 67X mentioned Lincoln University. So before that and time, you never knew there was a connection to Lincoln University? Oh, no. But did anyone did. know? They did in the past because he said that he came back to Lincoln in 63 or 4 with Malcolm. He brought Malcolm X to the campus? Yes. Well, I don't know if he brought him, but he was there. Say that again. In 1963 or 4, he came back to Lincoln and Malcolm was with him. Did you find supporting evidence of that in the Lincolnian, in a yearbook, in any notes? Yes. It was just a picture, but there weren't any articles as such. I didn't find anything else outside the campus. Really? No. And I had Susan Pivar look for evidence, and she... Didn't find anything either. It was curious, yeah. So you decide that now with your relationship that you're going to create a film, a documentary, or what was next? What was the next That that uh, wasn't my idea. That wasn't your idea? No, no. So the the purpose of your bonding with this historic figure was for what reason? I was thoroughly enjoying the process (laughs) of, of getting to know someone so different and having an admiration for him and being able to come back to the classroom and say, you know, this research that I've been doing is paying off. I'm finding this out. Because when I first started going into it, I just tell the students, you know, something funny going on here, but I can't tell you what it is yet. Okay. So then when he was actually able to come to the classroom and be with them, and I took a couple of them out to lunch with him and, and that sort of thing. It was just a What a, a memorable experience that hopefully they will never forget and they can yeah. tell people for many, many years about that uh, moment in time. Yeah. I'm so grateful for the experience myself. And so yesterday being the 54th anniversary of his assassination. So all through social media, people were commenting on the assassination of Malcolm X. So what was the crux of what you learned about Malcolm that you did not know before your relationship with Got to say the name for me because I'm uh, not that skilled. Abdullah Abdullah Razak. Okay, so yes. what was that one magnificent point that you could repeat or share with the rest of us that only the two of you would have been made aware of? I think that word integrity stands out. He could be trusted. He was a man of his word, and he said things like he saw them. 
And I, I think that's the main piece. And, and a deep appreciation for who he was in, in that manner. A man who taught himself how to read and changed much of our society. And so as we move forward, do you share with others that you get in front of about what you learned about Malcolm X and how the old media and the present media distort who this man was and, and is and his whole legacy? I certainly mention it when I know people can hear it. Can handle it. Okay. Well, <laughs> yes. I hope all of our listeners can hear this exciting interview with Reverend Dr. Mel Lehman, retired professor of Lincoln Absolutely. University, mm -hmm. where you taught world religions, comparative and ethics, religious ethics, that sort of thing. It's been our pleasure. Thank you. It's been mine also. Postscript. Abdullah H. Abdur Razak, chief aide to Malcolm X, born December 20th, 1931, transitioned November 21st, 2014. Born James Monroe King Warden on December 20th, 1931, Abdur Razak grew up in Harlem, where he graduated from the Bronx High School of Science with honors. He also graduated from Lincoln University with honors. He entered the Nation of Islam at Mosque Number 7 at 102 West 116th Street in New York City under Minister Malcolm X. As was the custom of all others who entered the Nation of Islam, he abandoned the surname of Warden as a vestige of chattel slavery and became the 67th James in Mosque Number 7. Subsequent to the schism between Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam, Malcolm formed the Muslim Mosque, incorporated and appointed Mr. Abdur Razak, secretary of the organization as well as captain of the men. Upon Malcolm's instruction, Abdullah then, still known as James 67X, abandoned the 67X and took the name of James Shabazz. In recent years, Abdullah Abdur Razak's work as staff consultant for the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture has been in cataloging rare photographs, letters, and accounts of the great leader's life and items. The information was gleaned from the local paper with a global view known as Our Time Press, straight out of Brooklyn, since 1996. I thought it would be appropriate just to add this extra part to the podcast to bring some level of finality to the important work that Reverend Dr. Mel Lehman and Lincoln University were doing with one of their honored alumni.